funny that there's all these things that you would do to like try to impress me that are literally above my fucking pay grade that I don't even know about. <laughs> it's actually very sweet. But besides that, I do think that Dead Alive held up pretty well for like a slightly dated. I mean, what? it's not dated. Oh, it holds up now, dog. That's what, what are you I talking mean. About? It does hold up, but I just mean like stylistically. Obviously, there's things that like. Um, just graphics and computer technology in general can do much differently than the early days of You horror. show me another movie that kills, like, hundreds of zombies in one shot with a lawnmower. Okay. And we'll have a conversation. All right. You know what? I will not bring that argument to you until I can debate that. You're absolutely- Texas Chainsaw Massacre! 1970. Four? I don't know. I don't, who fucking knows? I don't fucking know. You um, tell me all about this one because Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like your fucking wheelhouse. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I, I love what it did. I love... I love Grateful Dead, but I fucking hate hippies, dude. <laughs> and like, I, I think that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was such a like perfect end to, like, the hypocrisy of the hippie movement and the kind of, like, burnout of the hippie movement of, like, oh, the summer of love is over. Like, this, like, like I, I think it it shows the true kind of nature of the beast of maybe America and even small-town America okay. in ways that we haven't really looked at before. Okay. And, like, I, I think even in the, like, obviously, like, Cine, like in a cinematography sense, like it's very creepy. It's very well done, but people talk about this movie as it's like this like like gore fest. It's this crazy thing, and like we've even like you and I have watched it like in like watching it from that context, and like there's almost no blood in that yeah. movie. There's yeah. almost like almost everything is implied. There's almost a lot like, of pathology in it. Yeah, but it, there's not a lot of gore for I mean, sure. I think it talks a lot about like. The forgotten parts of American, of yeah. American life, of Americans. I think like the the plight, like how brutal the plight of what it meant to be an American after the world had rebuilt itself after World War Two in the early seventies of like finally being this competitor on a global scale and feeling less than and like being in this recession and like realizing that like these flower children who had touted so much just like this utopian society ideology were so full of shit. Yeah. And that, like, no, it's not that you can't do those things. It's just that these people who touted it so much were so ready to sell out. And yeah. To sell you yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I think... That was I, very poignant in the yeah. film, too. Well, I, th- I think Texas Chainsaw, to me, it's, like, it's almost like the unofficial, like, birth of, like, punk in America, you know? <laughs> like, it had been going on in the 60s in the UK, and, like, obviously, like, there are all these bands in New York and stuff, but, I mean, like what it really meant that like kind of like nihilism with a purpose that like kind of that feeling of hopelessness i think really got encapsulated in the texas chainsaw massacre absolutely like i think toby cooper's a fucking genius like i it, i i don't i don't i don't even know what to say about this movie because people who are a million times smarter than me have said it a thousand times more eloquently no i you understand know? like I, yeah. I, I, I love this movie i think it's a masterpiece no and i agree like, with you i think there's a lot of a lot to be said for that and i i always appreciate your input about it because i do understand that for me it was like a much more visceral experience and that having this other insight into the other aspects of it is very important to under i just think there's a whole other world to horror that really needs to be acknowledged to fully appreciate what's going on in these movies. oh i agree yeah. i mean like you know like i've done a I like, recently did like a pretty big, like paper about it. A yeah, big, like, a, a, that's a of, huge like, project. What what it means to be a horror fan in the modern world. What it means to be, like I mean, like again, like I'm I'm a white man in 2020. Like I profess this as much as people will have me, and only that far. But I mean, like, like what it means to be like kind of like, th- like thinking along the lines of like a feminist perspective, or mm-hmm. thinking about even just like an equitable perspective for all people. And, like, seeing where the horror genre falls in that perspective. 
you know? And yeah, like absolutely. seeing things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre being used as almost like a example of maybe the nihilism or the misogyny inherent in horror when the movie itself is a reflection of society. Yeah. It's like we exactly. aren't we're saying like we aren't glorifying this. These are the horrifying things we come across when we dig deep in the psyche of our culture. Absolutely. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, that's what's always drawn me to horror. That's what's always drawn me to the genre itself. Well, I think it's the same thing that, like, kind of built your draw, like, your draw to your major. Like, I think your draw to horror is the same as your draw to sociology. Because yeah. I think a lot of people who make horror movies do it from a very sociological perspective, even if it is easier to say that it's, like, about ghosts and goblins and ghouls and monsters. Yeah. Which, like, honestly, most horror is not. Like, if you if you go back to, like, independent film communities and not just the things that, like, Hollywood is turning out because of whatever money is being made, you really get to a lot of, like, very poignant stories of a lot of, like, folk tales and histories that people want to share. Yeah. Even going back to us talking about Hellier, like, that is a group of people who was kind of doing the essence of what people care about in horror. Is For me, I don't, I don't want to speak for, like, people who watch horror movies in general or horror fans in general but like this idea that there's a lot of mythology there's a lot of history there's a lot of um socio-political statement to be made there's a ritual in the genre itself absolutely that i think can't be overemphasized enough yeah like i i would really like to do an entire episode i'd like to do a series of episodes about this you know yeah but, but i mean like what it means to be initiated into the horror genre, what it means to be almost like, and I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, like what it means to be an acolyte of horror, yeah, what it yeah, means yeah. to be like a disciple of this, what it, like, like, um, I can't remember exactly where it comes from, I mean, specifically, but it's from um, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Like the the one of my favorite books ever. It's yeah. it's a sociology book about like kind of men's relationship with horror, and they talk about kind of almost the church of the horror movie and going to see that horror movie, especially in public in a social setting, is almost like going to mass. Yeah, and there there are setups. And there are replies, and there are, there are... There are equations. There's an archetype of something you're following. There's equations, exactly. Yeah. And that, like, in going to these movies, you're exercising certain stresses, or certain... You're exercising certain fears about society, about, about the problem, about the evils in society at large. Yeah. They, it's a, for, especially for me, it's such a cathartic experience to feel helpless with a character and also to overcome with a character. I think there's a lot of um, healthy projection that we can do with characters in general, if that makes sense. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. And that's, that ended up being what most of my project was about. Yeah, yeah. I just had this thing pop into my head. Um, I do think that we want to segue into the next one in a second, but I just also thought about like everything that you were defining about horror just made me realize that this is something I've always kind of wondered about, but it's something that I've definitely learned the true value of in our relationship that like the ideas of terror and horror were always so similar to me that I didn't understand why there were separate words for them or separate concepts. But a big thing that I've learned, I think, about horror versus terror is that like terror is about true fear. And I think horror is manageable. Horror is about the things that we should be afraid of. Horror. Does that make sense? Horror takes terror and puts it in a scenario in which like a either a person can succeed or fail. Being it puts it in a finite situation in which you can relate to another person. Absolutely. In relation, I, I think that's what makes us human, you yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing is like... I think relation, when we talk about that, is, like, um, the idea of relative things is us being able to relate to other people. Yeah. And...
And another thing I relate to is fucking people m- melting. What the fuck are you talking about? Return of the Living Dead! Oh, alright, 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 alright. Love Return of the Living Dead! That's a good one. That's a solid one. I remember that. Thank more cops. Yeah, yeah that was a... <laughs> Oh, I love it! I'm not going to get into why I love that part so much, but yes, do that. Um, Return of the Living Dead, I feel like you might need to talk about it because I have such a, like, gushy, like, oh my god, I was a, I, I was a teenage punk kid and this movie meant so much to me and I loved it and, like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, why do you like this movie? Because I'm just going to gush. Um, yeah, yours might be a little biased, but I don't know if mine's a lot better, because this is, it kind of hits a lot of the, the checkboxes for me for horror, because I, I love kitsch horror, and this definitely plays very, very kitsch. More brains, more brains. More brains, more brains. It has a lot of really great, I don't want to call it ironic dialogue because it's just, I think what it is, it ends up being very quotable 30 years later. The you know? punks. That's what I mean. There's, there's just, <laughs> what's the costume like? This is not a costume. This is a way of life. You never yeah. listen to the casualties? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just so, there, it, it not only holds up, but it, it holds up comedically too. Like it's like, it's also, not only does it like, pluck on your heartstrings but it now as like a 32 what do i what do i turn this year 32 32 yeah um it's just like a very poignant funny aspect of like this this movie i feel like um and it also just i think highlights for me all of the things that i loved about the original night of the living dead there's just like a lot of really solid storytelling a lot of really cool effects yeah it's like it's better it has a better structure than it has any right to really. okay exactly exactly yeah <laughs> So there's a lot of obviously like sequel faults that it falls into, but um, definitely solid. Definitely glad we watched it. Oh my god, I love, I love who's it your, so. Who's your favorite character? In Tar Man. It? All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I, mean, I, I don't even know why I, I would ask punks, that. But like, I mean, come like, on. I, th- and really, I think I... maybe what I meant is who's your favorite punk? <laughs> Man, that's so hard. I think I might just be biased and that I, I really like the girl. Also, Yeah, like the naked lady. Like, she's super fun because she's just so over the top. And she's dancing on graves. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I do know. forget. Yeah, I forget how intense of a character she was. She's probably just, like, easily my favorite. I do really, really love when he says this is a way of life. So, like, the main dude as well. But um, definitely the girl. For like, me. we're going to go through all of them. Like, I really like the black dude in the trench coat. Yeah. He's yeah, super sure. fun. Like, he has so many, like, cool one-liners. He's so, like, better than that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, that's the thing is, like, especially, I think, um, as a sequel, I always have my trepidation about sequels. But that one was solid. What's what's up next? I th- I see All you right. looking. I'm so happy. What's up? What's up? I always forget the name of the episode, but um, the Halloween Freaks and Geeks episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what it's called. Fucking saddest shit around. It's so poignant and very very coming. Like I know all of Freaks and Geek is Geeks is very like coming of age. But there is nothing more, I think, coming of age tale than having a very, very humbling moment that reminds you of exactly where you came from. And when Lindsay Weir attacks her own brother. Not even, Sorry for the spoiler alert. Let's start earlier. When she blows her mom off to hang out with bad kids okay. on Halloween. Okay, okay, okay. Can we talk about, though, the fact that the reason that she blows her mom off is that she's so... Worry. Okay, I might be advocating for her because I relate so hard to this, but the idea that she's so worried about blowing her mom off that she doesn't think to do it and doesn't bring it up until the very last second instead of like bringing it up that morning or earlier that day. Oh, that's my problem. So much that hurts about that situation, like the amount of pain in her mom's face later that day just like as an adult i think like i just relate to that harder now yeah just, like i don't i don't have kids but i don't want my kid to do that to me one day oh my god i mean like not to do a like full deep dive on Lindsay weir <laughs> but for real let's do it um <laughs> <sighs> Lindsay weir's mom just lost her own mother the oh, show starts shit. 
with like them grieving. Well, no, her own father. Sorry, grieving the no, loss of the mother. grandparent. And I mean, all that aside, what Lindsay was doing was completely reasonable. She did nothing wrong, except not tell her mom and then lie to her mom. If in in the correct time, if she had told her mom, I'm going to hang out with my Absolutely. friends on Halloween, I'm not going to continue the tradition you're super excited about and hand out candy with you. I've been through that with my parents. Yeah. Th- there are it's some tough. there are some weird breaks you have to make sometimes. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. What was wrong with it is that she was a chicken shit and didn't say anything about it until she was on the way out the door. Also, if you remember, like when she walks out the door, she says, I'll be right back. That's what she lied about. Like, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I know you mentioned that earlier. It's just that it, she she not only drops it on her last second. She drops it on her as a lie. Like, she's literally so... And I understand I'm I'm probably empathizing with her too much, but she's literally so afraid of talking to her mom about this and confronting her mom about this that what she says is, I'm just going to go talk to them about something. I'll be right back. So in that moment, all she's doing is blindsiding her mom so that Uh she can, like, run out. And as she's running out, her mom is like, Lindsay, wait, wait. Just trying to ask her a question about where she's going. And honestly, like... Mrs. Weir's the sweetest woman who's ever existed. Yeah. Especially what happens, like, later. I don't remember if it happens before that episode or after, but, like, when they, like, read her diary and, like, kind of read about, like... The way that she views her parent. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it's very, very teenage perspective of your parents. Like, your parents work for years to try to give you a stable world to grow up in. And then you and your teenage diary write about how boring they are because of their suburban life. Even though they probably stopped their cool-ass fucking lives. You lucky shit that you have a good enough... To have your shitty-ass fucking kids you know what i mean yeah to like pause the like crazy stuff you could do to i mean and let's not forget (laughs) completely outside of the parental relationship what a shit Lindsay is to her brother (laughs) exactly in this episode that's all the it's only like a third of it how rude she is to her mom the not only is she kind of a shitty friend and her like weird exploration of who she is She's such a mean sister. And I know that once she realizes who it is, she's, like, very nice about it. It doesn't matter but she's, that you would do that. Why would you Why would you tolerate that? Uh, mind you, I'm trying to remember that, like, in high school, there's a lot of, like, weird peer pressure where you might fall into the first few minutes of an activity not really knowing the consequences of it. And I do feel like that might have happened when they were, like, pulling pranks on these kids yeah. in the street. Well, let's backtrack for a minute. Go for and- it. Explain what happened. Okay, and okay. I was trying to not spoiler, but I also realized this is Freaks and Geeks, and it's From been out... 2003. <laughs> I don't like spoilers. But, um... I don't know, it's kind of... I know this is kind of turning into a long episode, but the other half of the episode with Lindsay's brother, Sam, is that he and his friends are debating <laughs> whether or not they're too old to go trick-or-treating. Yeah. And... They're 13. Mm-hmm. I trick-or-treated until I was 19. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'm not saying that was healthy or okay. I'm just saying that's what I did. And, um... <laughs> I also think this new train of thought, though, is, like, very healthy. I don't think we had it when we were in school, but I do think it's a very smart, like, new idea that's coming up. But, like, I would much rather those, like, maybe two old teenagers to be trick-or-treating at my door... Rather having them, like, somewhere else in the world. That's what I thought. The people in Rockland did not feel the same. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> but, um, that I can imagine. So, um, Sam and his friends. Sam is, is it Garnack? Gronack? It, he's dressed up as this super cool robot. Yeah. And he has a really, really cool, intricate costume made out of cardboard. Um, Neil is dressed up as Groucho, Groucho Marx. And, oh, um... Bill, Bill Haverchuk. Bill. Okay. Yeah. So Bill is the bionic woman. And your three your of mom. Them... What's, what's his mom like? No, it's not his mom. He goes, is your grandpa super cool? Yeah, his grandpa because is super says, cool. somebody says, you look like my grandpa. And that line has... Not... <laughs> 
I wouldn't say it's haunted me. I would say I have welcomed it to follow me for many, many years. Probably like 13 years of my life now where I just... It's one of the first things I knew about you. (laughs) Yeah. Is your grandpa super cool? And are you I and my lemon drank from um, M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those two lines are... Oh, yeah. It's because they're in my... Yeah, they're in my uh, profile. Uh, I really, really love those lines. It's one of the most brilliant things. And it's because Bill Haverchuk is so matter-of-fact about his whole fucking existence. Yeah. No different when he's dressed as the bionic woman for this <laughs> Halloween episode. Remember when he's pretending to be the bionic woman in, in the mirror and he goes, yeah. no, my... He doesn't say this, obviously. He goes, no, like, my titties aren't bionic. <laughs> yeah, 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 I totally... He just does such a... There's such a cute montage of him doing that. And he's just no. such, a, such a serious character. I have but, a lot of respect for it. But anyway, these brave men... These brave were uh-huh. were trick or treating, and <laughs> that social like... deviant Lindsay Weir has the gall <laughs> to egg them. She didn't know. Do you think? Okay, one question I will have is one question. I will, that was sounded so like well, one. One question I will have. <laughs> one drink I will have, sir. Um, hey, buddy, one question I will have from you. Do you think the other friends in the car, the friends that she's trying to, like, you know, get in cool with, do you think they recognized who the kids were? No, this is an early episode. They don't know yet. They don't know who it is yet. They don't right? know, and okay. they don't care yet. Like, I, that's one of the oh, things yeah. I do really like in the series, is that, like, her friends sort of do build, like, not like a loyalty but, like, an awareness of Sam and his friends. Absolutely. I think after they realize who they are. But that's the thing is, even in that moment, Lindsay didn't even pay attention and didn't see that it was them. Mind you, not only are they wearing Halloween costumes, but nobody in the car was really paying attention when they drove by to egg those kids. They were they were yeah. very, like, oh, Halloween costumes, very, like, autopilot vision of those are just targets. They're not, like, people. When well, they were really good costumes they, they couldn't have known such, they were such so honestly that blouse that bill was wearing for the bionic woman those titties what were the titties made of the wig the wig was so good he combed the I think, wig i think they're he, made out of what all titties from junior high are made out a bag of sand toilet paper okay all right oh i get it but um hey so honestly i think We've made it pretty clear we should do an entire episode about Freaks and Geeks at some point. Yes. We both have a lot of very passionate opinions yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, shit, I just got out of my list. Oh, so no. So, what is next? Well, hold on, on dog. Our... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, what is next on our Halloween list? Um, Big Trouble and Little Tina. Oh, Pig Trouble and Little Tina. <laughs> Okay, I can only make this joke because I am that second language person, but one of the biggest, like, language barriers that Americans don't know about is puh and buh. Like, the diff- like, do you have any idea in my household how troublesome the words backpack and peanut butter were? Like, are you motherfucking kidding me? P and B are unbelievable sounds for people who don't speak this language to make because- For us, there's no differentiation. We don't have a P in Arabic. There's only a B. So I'm bringing all of this up to... I have I have literally no idea why. I well, just, this is all new for me, to be honest you with you. Oh, you don't know about any of this. No. So the re- I'm just bringing this up because the episode is called Pig Trouble in Little China. In Little Tina. Yeah. With a P. Yeah, so you messed it up too. I know I messed it up because it's my... Complicated. Mm. Anyway, tell us about the episode. So, um, <laughs> honestly, right before we recorded, neither one of us, like, really remembered this episode just because there are so many incredible Bob's Burgers Halloween episodes. So, remember the island one with the with the rich kids? Yes. That was a good one. So, um, this one was, I related to this one a lot. It's this weird zombie episode about <laughs> Tina having to dissect suckling pigs in her science class, which, fuck that, I didn't do it. I said no and took the C. They gave you a C? Yeah. I think ours was a zero. Actually, you know, I'm not giving my school enough credit. I'm pretty sure 
our anatomy class was already like an upper division class and she said that if we didn't want to do it there was like another assignment we could do where we watched like a video or something and then did a questionnaire i went to a small christian school so it was pretty pretty you had to fucking do the it opposite of any type of choice you might have had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, our, our, my class was held in, like, a new science department that I had, like, just been constructed, so. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, one of my math teachers <laughs> didn't have, like, teaching credentials. So. Ooh, one of our teachers got sued for that one. Cool. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> it was my, I'm not gonna, actually, I'm not gonna go there. I feel bad for you, lady. I'm not gonna bust you out like that. Please, go on. Tell me about Tina and, and, and. <sighs> Pig Trouble and Little Tina. Yeah, it, it, it's one of, honestly, the better Bob's Burgers Halloween episodes. It's solid, um, for sure. There's a lot of really good puns in it. Um, <laughs> it yeah, it, it's just about Tina um, refusing to, or not refusing to, but no, she makes fun of the suckling pig that she is dissecting and gets haunted by it, which serves you right, little girl. Don't make fun of a dead thing. Wait, you think it serves you right? I think it's so much more about her own emotional capacity because she's the one haunting herself. Oh, I know she's haunting herself, but she deserves it. Absolutely. But I also think it's like really, really beautiful that like she has enough of a conscience as like a, what is she, middle school age? As a middle school aged girl to have enough of a conscience to even have those nightmares. Okay. I think... I agree with you. I think that's, I think I'm taking it from like, yeah, like a, probably an adult's like fully formed perspective. Obviously like we're reading a lot into Bob's Burgers right yeah, now, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think Bob's Burger you can read a lot into it a lot it's of It's adults the who make it. Yeah. I think a lot about everything they do for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think there is a lot more going on than that. Well, I mean, you know, obviously there's the, I don't want to overly psychoanalyze it, but there is a lot of. Her seeking of approval that is a very strong theme in the show that even though she has her own like strong personality and her own characteristics that as any other 13 year old girl probably would her big weaknesses are the like the boy the the person she has a crush on yeah and the friends that she wants to impress and these happen to overlap in a lot of different situations because they're like the same group of friends right which happens to a lot of kids in this age. But I think what's really interesting about Tina is that she has this really, really grounding force in her younger siblings. Definitely. Who, I think it's a very interesting dynamic because Tina does have a very strong moral compass, which is why she's having nightmares about the fucking pig that she made fun yeah, of, right? Yeah, Makes, like, one joke and she starts having nightmares about it because she's very kind and she doesn't want to be... I don't think she wanted to have been... I don't think she wanted to have been, like, mean to this animal, but I also think that... She wanted to be accepted. That instinct to be accepted is also so animalistic... Yeah. ...that it might override some things sometimes. So when she has more time to think about it, she gets a little bit more upset, right? Of course. Like, wanting to be a part of a group is such a... Like it's a driving thing. force. It's, yeah. yeah. It's such a... I think it's a protective instinct. Definitely. I think the reason that we have a really hard time ignoring it even as, like, grown people who don't really need to, like, fight for a place in, like, a survivalistic, like, circle of eaters or, like, alphas, you know, like, we don't need to do that anymore. I think it's still really hard for us to disengage from the idea of being included or being accepted. Yeah, like, there's still hierarchies. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think this definitely, like, comes into it because the kids in this, it's like, okay, it's Jimmy G. I know I'm, like, fucking, I'm hella overanalyzing. I don't really, I really don't think you are. Because I, I think, I mean, I think the purpose of this show is to show you the full range of human emotions. Yeah. But to also show you a positive version of that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I read interviews with the showrunners, with the writers, with the creators, and they talk about, like... Being very purposeful in showing humans as humans, yeah. but not to focus on any mean-spirited characters. Because that gets so much attention, and means, like truly mean-spirited people in your day-to-day life are truly so rare. Yeah, that's true. Like, even 
like even Jimmy Pesto. Other than our leadership right now, but obviously, like yeah, the whole other story. But, but, but like, like even Jimmy Pesto, he's did, never mean. He's just lonely. Oh, he's super mean. I, oh wait! Oh my gosh! I'm think no, I'm thinking of not Jimmy, Jimmy Junior. I'm thinking of like, Jimmy Junior. Like, even Jimmy Pesto. Jimmy Pesto's a jerk. Just is just reaching out to the person across the street from him as a broken person. As in the a per- same way we as were a bully. talking. In the same way we were talking about with our parents. Exactly. Where like when you don't know how to communicate, but you still want to reach out. It's literally it's about being so childish that you don't want to tell your crush you have a crush, and you'll instead just pull their braids in class or whatever yeah. like it's the kind of the same concept and i think a lot of that just comes from any kind of repressed desire for a relationship on yeah. many different levels yeah like, I, I i think bob's burgers I, I think one of the reasons people relate to it so much is that it shows true humanity while also taking the high road mm-hmm. and i don't think a lot of shows do that like I, I don't think a lot of I think a lot of, especially comedy, relies on kind of, like, fatalism and nihilism and stuff. And, like, yeah. it truly doesn't, but it acknowledge all those acknowledges that all those things exist. Absolutely. I think that's one of my favorite things about it is, like, there's a lot of even, like, extremes of emotion and, like, description amongst the family. But even as they're, like, roasting each other, they'll be like, yeah, but obviously, like, you're my family and I love you. And it's, exactly. it's very just, like unconditional and unquestioning like even bob who seems to be the most rational of them will have all those moments where he's just like all of you are insane people yeah and like it's still it doesn't matter it's an unquestioning loyalty and an unwavering love for these people because they're your people yeah i mean it's, it's not a mean universe it's like, not a mean gene universe knows he's fat gene remembers the cheeseburger that he wait. remembers the ice cream sandwich that did the it and he sandwich. regrets nothing he regrets nothing Oh, and everyone lets him live with that. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, he's a beautiful character. His his ability to exist in that universe is honestly perfect. It's it's the summation of everything I love about that show. Definitely. Yeah, for Definitely. Sure. All right, I know we have a lot more <laughs> shows. Awesome, we're, kind of, we're chipping away. We're All chipping right, away. I know we have like a lot of like movies and shows. That was uh, the Bob's Burgers one. What else did we watch? Okay, so this one, I, I, did, I do love this movie. I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time talking about the movie directly Mm -hmm. maybe about the influences around it or like the reasons we got to see it Mm -hmm. but um do you have any thoughts on tigers are not afraid it was a pretty big horror movie this year no Um, i mean honestly i think that was one of the ones that you guided us to i i really enjoyed it um it was really depressing and it wasn't necessarily like, oh, it was so sad and affecting. It was just a really depressing movie. Was and it a, just like bleak for you? Yeah. And, it, and especially in a time that we had watched 60 horror movies, you know? And like, <laughs> and it, it's a beautiful movie. It's just profoundly sad. Yeah. And it, it doesn't show a lot of hope. Even though it sort of is a movie about hope, like, to give a brief synopsis, of, like, I, it's been a minute since I've watched it. I haven't thought about a lot of it, thought a lot about it since yeah, I've seen re- it. Yeah, recap it for us for a second. It's a fantasy movie about kind of helpless young people. I, I, I seem to remember that it's an orphan. I, I might mm-hmm. be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. But it's just about um, kind of a magical experience like these like, kind of impoverished children have that are, like, in this, like, horrible scenario and just, like, watching it kind of play out and watching it play out kind of in a more realistic sense than people would intend it to. Yeah. And, like, almost in, like, that old story of the genie, like, like you have to be, like, very, spe- like, we're in chaos magic. Like, you have to be very specific in what you're saying. Be careful what you wish for. Ex- yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's, it's kind of a... Full circle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. But I mean, it's... <laughs> Movies is about innocence being preyed on. Yeah. Isn't necessarily my cup of tea. I don't need that in my life. Um, I don't need that in my life at all. It... It... it definitely moved me it did the things it was supposed to do 
I wouldn't say don't watch it, you know? Yeah. I think more what I was wanting to get out from this movie even was seek out things like Shudder. Seek out these smaller horror movies. Like, there, there is an entire... Like, support those smaller yeah, houses. Yeah, like, there's, there's a cottage industry of really good horror movies. Maybe almost too good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We don't need every horror movie to be Midsummer and Hereditary, even though those movies are incredible. Yeah. But I mean, like, there's just these super heady, super heavy, super, like, good, intellectually savvy horror movies out right now. And it's it's worth investing in them. It's worth investing in them so you get more of them in the future. That's absolutely true. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, yeah, I, I think things like Shudder are really, really, really giving a lot of credence to those things of, like, showing maybe bigger studios in that are in more of a crisis mode right now because it is strange like showing them That's how true. many people will show up for an indie movie like how how genre based the horror genre still like how um fan based it still is yeah 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 it's very fan driven i honestly think a lot of its powerhouse has always been definitely it's fan based yeah and, and again like, I, I don't want to take anything away from Tigers are not afraid. Like I, it's a wonderful movie. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Like and like Dan and I are looking at each other and like we're kind of it's like yeah like it seems like we almost want to say more about it. But I mean it is it's it's grim. It's sad. It's heavy. Yeah. It's, there's a lot to it. I think it, maybe we just like in this time, in in like quarantine, shelter in place mode day four thousand and fucking eight. I just don't really need any more grim and sad. <laughs> like, and it's it's not obviously that it wasn't a beautiful movie. It's that the world was very different when we watched it in October of 2019. Literally, like, a month and a half before this hit the world. And, like, I think right now we're just in a very different place. And horror in general is already, like... I really am very glad that we're catching up on all of these movies. And I'm really glad that we're finishing out Halloween. But I also think a big thing for me is that we do spend a lot of our time revisiting either artistic things that we like or like having you explore like animes that you've been wanting to watch or just exploring other things. Because honestly, a lot of this gets very bleak and gets very heavy. And we have a lot of that in our real lives right now. Straight up. And, um, yeah, in October, this was a really beautiful film. And in April of 2020, like, I don't really need to spend any more time talking about it. Like, I, mean, I like, don't... good or not, in October was kind of a fucking bummer. Yeah, <laughs> like... that's what I'm saying, dog, is that, like, I know we were on week four and we were already, like, feeling pretty heavy about this shit, but, like, it was already, it was, I think it's one of those movies that's, like, art house enough and beautiful enough that you're also like, damn, this was a little much for my spirit right now. Uh, all right, before I start stress eating, uh-huh. um, let's talk about arachnophobia. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay, I am so glad that we did arachnophobia. I it's not like we haven't watched it six other times yeah, throughout the year. Honestly, but... I just, well, because it's a solid movie. It's a very, here's the oh, thing, it's God. a very solid movie. Of bad one. Not only, bad one. Not only is John Goodman in it, which like, okay, no matter what you say, John Goodman is like that weird assignment extra credit that you do that no matter what happens in the class that semester, you automatically get a letter bump, like a letter bump upgrade yeah, in, in your grade. So that no matter what you do is, like, automatically 10 points higher. John Goodman is that 10 points. He is the whiskey. He is bacon. He is the cherry on top. Um, Mm -hmm. He does a brilliant... I know this is a very long time ago, and it's even, like, honestly for... 89, dog. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which, it's not even... I feel bad, because it's not even one of his more, like, impressive dramatic roles. But he does such a good job as the exterminator in this movie. Yeah, like, there's so much in this movie. <laughs> the only thing I really even fucking care about talking about uh-huh. is John Goodman talking about fucking bad wood. Uh, yeah, bad wood. Take the bad wood out. Was good wood. Good wood. Jeez, like, this just movie so... was the scary. I was petrified. 
of this movie as a kid. Yeah. Like, this might have well been, like, the exorcist to, like, my grandma when I was a kid. That's really interesting because even, okay, I've always been, it's funny because you've always been very, very good about, like, catch and release about spiders in our house. I'm like, I honestly, like, I'm not trying to kill anything. Because I don't want to build any grudges up. Okay, well, that's a little different. I just, I just meant like I feel like it's always been a thing of we're we're a peaceful household in those terms but even the first time I saw this I never really liked spiders and I was fairly young and I still just really really liked it I think in the same way that like I think I surprised you by how much I loved Human Centipede 2 just because, <laughs> that doesn't like, make any sense <laughs> that's like a whole like interview that's like a three part interview with you <laughs> Going into what happened to you to make you, like, straight up... Like, honestly, we're talking about this, but I'm going to be honest with you. Dana doesn't even like horror movies that much. She puts up with them for me in a in a very large part. Dana certainly doesn't like, like, extreme horror or any of the things, like, I've broken my own brain with. But for some reason, Dana is... You can hear her. She is downright tickled <laughs> by human centipede too hey dana remember when that baby's head gets yeah flattened by the gas pedal i'm so i'm so sorry like, like dana will run out of the room at descriptions of pg-13 movies hey but this woman I'm not, again, like, it's too foul to describe. <laughs> it honestly is. I don't know what it is. There's just certain movies. Honestly, another one, too, is, like, Baskins. Like, I fucking Oh, I love Baskins. Lo- There's just certain horror movies that are so off. I don't know what right, it is. Next year. Next year. Next year. Next year. What? Well, it'll be in... <gasps> Oh, yeah. Halloween. It'll be Halloween 2020, which will honestly... Can we call it Halloweenitude? <laughs> honestly, Halloween Halloweenitude 2020 seems like it's going to be the whole fucking year because this, this year is a nightmare. Oh, my God. Um, we'll get to it in a few we'll, years. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to that. Um, I will say that there... I know that there are these, like, weird phenomenon of, like, rant... Phenomena of random horror movies that I absolutely love, but, like, what can I say? It's... Yeah. Horror is a magical genre. It, what 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 do we got up next on that? On all that? right, <laughs> we're up to the big daddy grandpa, <laughs> the big one, uh-huh. the uh-huh. big honker of them all. <laughs> this, is, this is the one we watched on Halloween. Uh huh. Um, the finale. Yeah, I think we recently saw it at a film festival. Okay. I think um, I saw it differently than I'd ever seen it before. Okay, it's, it's, it's everybody's favorite. All right. Really. Um, our last, our last contestant for, um, Halloween 2019 is the original Night of the Living Dead. Ooh, up top, buddy. Yeah, dog. That's a good one. They're coming to get you, Dana. Hey, it's Barbara. Like, Sorry, I just really don't want to, that was creepy, don't say that to me. I mean, like. What, like, what is there even, like, I mean, like, not like, oh, what is there to say about this movie? Obviously, we have a lot of opinions, but straight up, like, like, what can we even say about this movie that hasn't been said that isn't, like, like, if you don't fuck with this movie, I don't fuck with you. Like, honestly. For sure. I think this one is a very, this is a very solid, like, um, horror 101 movie to watch. Not, not even it's a people 101 movie. People 101 to watch for sure, but I mean, the reason I'm saying horror is because I feel like it encapsulates everything about the genre that I think is important. There's a lot of, like, really great, uh, like, cinematic timing. Um, I... There's just something about the storytelling, too, that unfolds so... Oh, love it. Is sinisterly a word? Yeah, I mean, it can be. <laughs> It'll be, it will be for now. There's just something that's so um, solid about, like, how that movie is timed that I feel like there's a lot to be taught to the rest of the horror movie world with well, that I, movie. I agree. And I also know that, like, obviously that's, like, the big, one of the big, huge, huge, be- I mean, that is the beginning of, of like, zombie horror movies, right? There's so, just like, nothing better than 
than it either. Like, yeah. I, and you were saying, yeah, it is it's the just beginning. Like the tension is so beautiful. The quiet of it. Though. Yeah. And I don't, obviously I know like black and white wasn't just like a, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a personal choice. Like black and white was the option, but like at the time. Like it just it's makes such it a so... beautiful, it's aside from it being terrifying. It's like a film reel. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Cinematically it's outstanding. I yeah. think like, when I think, like, I love all those different types of zombie movies. Like, I love that whole, like, Italian ethic of, like, we're making zombies completely, like, amoral. This has, this isn't, like, the American zombie. This has nothing to do with anything. This is just gore and a cool fucking zombie fighting a shark. And somebody's <laughs> eye getting poked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like... Honestly, they had a little bit more to say than I think they were willing to admit, you know? Like, I love all those movies. Like, Zombie 1 through fucking 3, whatever, are super fun. But, I mean, I think there's something so purposeful. Yeah. As, as... Like, the Romero version of Zombie. Like, and yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a little earlier, but, like, something so... He had such a vision of American consumerism as a monster, as this untamable force. And, like, you definitely see that more in Dawn... I mean, Dawn of the Dead especially. I mean, in Day of the Dead some, but I mean, like, especially in that, like, all the zombies being trapped in a literal shopping mall. Yeah. Like, I, I think this one has a lot more to do... Obviously, with like race and ethnicity, and like, yeah. with like identity politics, and with, Which with was fear a mongering, and just send at the time. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. I, th- I mean, it still is. I don't mean that it isn't. It's just at I, the time, even more so. I think this is the one movie I think we're probably going to respect and not spoil. But I think the, the ending of that movie is so indicative of where America was at the time. Night of the Living Dead had so much to say. In the 60s. And I think it has even more to say now. Like, not, I mean, like I, I know we're talking about how fun horror movies are to watch and stuff. But I mean, I it, it's hard to... Not even write off, but to like... To even talk about it in such a casual term. Because I think it was such a huge artistic achievement for... Like, especially America. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it really was such an important voice in how America was shaping itself at the time. Absolutely. Like, um, I mean, like, obviously we're, like, Romero maniacs. <laughs> Trademark just made that up. And, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm getting to the point where I'm running out of words. Like, obviously, you all love Night of the Living Dead. We all love Night of the Living Dead. It's, it's one of the best movies ever made. One of the best horror movies ever made. Yeah. So that probably wraps up, like, our list. Um, oh, is that the last one on our that's list? That's the last one, yeah. Okay. So but, that's a lot. That's our last one from October, though, right? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Like, have you seen anything you've liked recently? Have you? Um... So glad you asked. I want to talk about Kingdom. And Ooh. I, woo! I feel like this is a really great segue because we're still technically talking about zombies. Dude, <clears throat> such a heater, and I hate new zombies. So that was a really. I don't think that I feel like I had to convince you to watch this, but I do think that. I had some hesitation and even bringing it to the table as like, a, you know, when you ask me like, oh, is there anything that you want to watch? Because I know that like I've made a point to be like, hey, we, you know, I want to I want to see something that I've been like that I've been tracking. But like, I also know that in those times that you ask me, I might hesitate for something that has to do with zombies because I am way more on board with like, I don't know, basically any interpretation of a zombie just because I'm very open to it. Yeah. And I'm definitely sure that you're very over it. So I was not only very pleased that you wanted to watch this, but I think we've both been very pleasantly surprised. So good. It's, it's a very different take, not only on the zombie mythology, but also on just like the treatment of the world that would happen post-zombie invasion, basically. Like, what the world would look like after that and, like, what the treatment is of the people that are basically left... Not left behind, but that survive. Yeah, and just a quick synopsis, like, um... Like, it happens in, like, classical... I I don't know what the exact term is, Mm -hmm. but, like, the mid... 
like 1800s in Korea. I think so, yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful show. One, like, I mean, even more than the horror is like the costuming, the set piece, like every, it, it's such a living show. Mm-hmm. It's so vibrant. That like it, it would be worth watching if zombies weren't involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they totally are. And like no, like not to give any spoilers, but it's a very different take on zombies than yeah. you would normally see, which I think is very cool. And I also like that they don't necessarily just rely on the zombies for the storytelling. The zombies are kind of like one factor of it. Yeah, it's like, just part of the show. Each character ha- each character's backstory is very significant to not only like the historically relevant culture that's happening at the time but is relevant to why that character is acting the way that they are definitely so like him the main character not to like give any spoilers but the main character is like a prince at the time and there's just like a lot of context given to him and his royal guard and like a couple, I don't want to call them lowly, but they're very, they're basically just like peasant citizen, class people. like citizen, peasant, like peasant level people that, you know, they they have all of their stories are told very fully, and I really appreciate that about this show. Definitely, definitely. So that's probably been my favorite. Has there been anything that you've been like that's like really stood out for you? Um, I've really been racking my brain. Honestly, I've been watching <laughs> yeah. a ton of stuff. Yeah, that's we've been true. watching a lot of really good things. Um, I don't think I'm, um saying anything new here as Mm -hmm. far as, like, the horror and sci-fi community. But please watch The Color Outside of Space with Nick Cage. Um, Yeah, for real. I mean, it's a wackadoo movie. It's (laughs) one of the cagiest movies I've seen in a long time. (laughs) Um, um, It's very body horror, just... It's, it's a Lovecraft story, so like yeah, 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 Lovecraftian yeah. would be kind of uh, repetitive. But also, you know, very descriptive. <laughs> yeah. Um, another show I really liked that you showed me was... Oh, man, I can't think of it now. What's the Philip K. Dick show? <gasps> Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams. I think, um, especially in a time like this, watching such an imaginative, imaginative show is a very useful thing to avoid depression and melancholy. It lets your mind wander in yeah. a kind of guided way, in a specific way, that I've found very helpful to me. I feel like it's a less loaded black mirror. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a less it's a less um terrifying. <laughs> try it's it's black mirror without trying so hard. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed Black Mirror, but I also understand what you're saying in the sense that Black Mirror, like, it literally is a Black Mirror. It is that essence of, like, probably the most negative reflection of what our society is creating. Um, I do think that while Philip K. Dick's visions and stories that came of those visions are, are is not super far from Pretty Dark, but I also really like, one of my favorite things has always been about Philip K. Dick has always been that his stories and vision is also still very imaginative. Like, it it still has space to be whimsical. It still has space to ask what if instead of, like... Just to breathe. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of sci-fi is very dystopian in the sense that what it's saying is, like, this is what you asked for. And I think a lot of Philip K. Dick is still... It's a lot like Le- Ursula Le Guin and Changing Planes where it's still asking what if instead of saying this is what you asked for. I know that's just what I just said, but I feel like that really sums it up for me that it's not this like foretelling of consequence of like every, every like the worst case scenario of everything that you wanted from the future yeah instead it's this idea of like what if all of the random daydreams that you had like had substance in reality and what are the ways that we can build those realities yeah. that's always been one of my favorite things about his writing is he like builds a way to those places well honestly i mean just like starting to close out like i, th- mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to Look at this time to look yeah. at look at our time to it's so easy to 
to get overwhelmed. Like, I, I'm overwhelmed right now. I've been panicking all day. Like, yeah. I don't feel good. I don't assume any of you feel good. I don't think you feel good, Dana. Like, no. it's... <laughs> but to, to own that and to realize that you are in a shitty situation and that maybe... Maybe it won't make any finite difference, but a lot of people... A lot of people leaning into being more civic, into being more helpful, into maybe creating even just in micro ways, like, of creating easier pathways for people to, like, traverse in their own communities... I think I think there's a lot of Philip K. Dick in that. I think as a troubled author himself, he looks out for the troubled among us, you know? Absolutely. I think that... He's a waymaker. Yeah. I think that these days, we're all those troubled people, you know? I don't, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see anybody who's not troubled right now. I think one of the most equalizing and um, humbling things about this experience has been that no matter what your situation is in life, and this is, I mean, I'm saying this as somebody who's like openly like a very like leftist socialist, like I don't have any qualms about saying that. Um, This is one of the most, probably might be the most equalizing event that we experience in our lives. Like, this is the defining moment of our existence. Well, because like, it's the most humanizing. It brings us all back to our biological vulnerability, right? All yeah. of us have the same vulnerability. Even if some of us only get, like, mildly sick from this, being a, car- being a carrier of this and approaching your family or exposing your family in any way puts all of us on such an equally humbling fucking terrifying playing field that I think I don't know I know this isn't the case for everybody but like it really it really puts into play for you that like it really doesn't matter what else you accomplish in your life or like how much money you make or what position you have or what degree you've earned at the end of the day we are literally all the same biological creature and like we're other dreams about each other like other other than the damage that we've created to our own environment, like we all owe to each other our own welfare, yeah. right? So that's like a a really big humbling lesson in that has been like kind of realizing like how much we have in common. So I it has it has been really like nice to realize that. It's just also been kind of heavy. So Definitely. I think a really big thing has been kind of like not only processing that but finding ways to carry it that find commonality not just with all of us but that like can carry a similar enough weight of a message that we can like move forward with totally it. totally yeah. it, it's overwhelming like when when you when you hear that old curse may you live in interesting times oh my god no like they're talking ah. about now <laughs> do you know what i mean like ah. i think I think, ah. I think that's and that's a hard thing to reckon with but i mean we have each other we have I mean, we've been talking about this kind of, this language we have with each other, like with even just horror movies, of our way of, descri- our way of dispelling our own fears, of feeling powerful, of like finally not feeling less than, of feeling worthy. I know I find so much in the books I read, in the movies I watch, in in the stories I come across. Like, I I think that means so much to me. And, like, not that, oh, we're doing something so important, but, I mean, I think leaning into those stories, leaning into even the movies that scare us in a time that scares us, like, I think that's, I don't know, that might be, not, like, what we're supposed to be doing, but I think that can be a really good help. I think it's absolutely the thing that we should be doing. I think you and I even started this with the intention of like reaching out to people and finding a way to communicate with people who had like a similar interest and a similar perspective. And honestly, not even, it doesn't have to be similar. Like I want to be able to reach out to anybody. And I think honestly, one of the most humbling and beautiful things about this time is that really one of the last and only remaining solid things that we can depend on is the fact that we're all fucking going through this. Definitely. Like, 
I mean, like, in the, from, from my perspective in horror, even, like, going kind of going back to that, like, yeah. a, mentally, like, I have a lot of issues. Like, I think I've, I've tried to be honest about this on air, you know, For like, sure. but I mean, like, I, so much of my life is feeling helpless, and so much of another part of my life has been developing tools to maybe not not feel helpless because that might be impossible but to deal with feeling helpless and to develop tools to feel worthwhile yeah and to feel powerful recognizing that we all need help and recognizing that that's not a weakness it's a strength like honestly i i'm i'm a hider i'm somebody who doesn't like to do that that's why you hide in me yeah definitely but I mean, just for for anybody who's listening, anybody who's having a hard time, like I, I really, I truly believe this because it's mattered for me in the past. Um, like I don't know, Tracy Morgan, one of like a comedian I really like, said this a long time ago. Like I promise you, even if I've never met you, I fucking promise you that I love you, and I also promise you there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it, and just be aware of that, like. I think there's a lot of us out there like that. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm very scared of the world around me. I'm scared of human beings. But I love you. I promise. So, um, I think usually we go out with a, don't be a turkey because turkeys get cooked. Turkeys get cooked. That's fucking true as it always is. But, like, there's also a very wise man, a friend I have named... Yoda, (laughs) who um, would like to remember you that, like, you're luminous beings, y'all. You're not this crude matter. And we love you and have, I don't know, stay safe from weird vibes.